We live inside a dream. She's my cherry pie. Hello, and welcome to Stan and Dave Need Wedding Dates with your two favorite geeks who like Twin Peaks. My name is Eric Keppel. And my name is Jeremy Schmidt. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for tuning in. Eric, we're over well over the halfway point. Episode 11 Ooh, and 12. Man. Oh, my God. It's. I'm actually kind of getting bummed out. We're like nearing the I end. Know. I know this is that was my experience when I was watching uh, when I was watching the return as it was coming out in 2017. But you know, if you if you look at it, I mean, we're talking parts 11 and 12 today, and then after that, we have six more hours yeah. <laughs> of the 18-hour David Lynch movie. Right. So, uh, and it's crazy. Some of my favorite, I, I mean, not to spoil anything, but from some of my favorite moments are uh, in these last six parts here. I would say that the uh, episodes have picked up. A hundred percent from the last two, from nine and ten. I think eleven and twelve are out of sight, and I think nine and ten were just okay. Hmm. Yeah, I can't remember which one. I think it might have been ten that I was like, "This one's a little bit of a little bit of a dud." Wait, so did you all know while you were watching it that it was going to be seventeen parts? I think so. I think I remember reading about that. Yeah, at the time. it's eighteen. It's actually eighteen parts. Okay, great. But but you knew it, you knew it going in. So around this time, you were like, yeah. okay, only a few more weeks. Okay, great. I was just thinking about that uh, the other day. It was like, what if, what if like, there was a show like this where nobody knew when it ended? That'd be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, I feel like that's most shows for me. Like if I'm watching them <laughs> while they air, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's going to be like an eight episode season or a 10 episode season. Like I find out the episode before the season finale sure. when it's over. Uh, yeah. So you don't actually like look into it beforehand. I guess not. I'm trying to think of like the big shows I've seen like true detective. No. Um, mm. Yeah. Jeremy's still waiting for the next Dexter episode. Yeah. <laughs> Dexter's lab. Dexter's laboratory. <laughs> uh, so we should, uh, I mean, Jeremy, we got a, we got yeah, a great got guest to. today. Yeah. Uh, we got, we should probably announce him. Michael Chow. Thank you for coming on, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. You know, one of the best one of the best posters over there in, huh. in film Twitter. What a great follow. I would follow. say all of Twitter. Great follow. I have Michael, I have multiple other text threads that will link your tweets, then they don't know you at all. And I and every time I'm like <laughs> I'm like, I know this guy. I follow him. We're we're you know, we have mutual friends. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, really and, sweet uh, Yeah, I think we were talking before we we kind of all I think the the connection point is maybe Matt J, who we had on the podcast last year to talk about <laughs> what what did he uh, it was seed of Chucky? Seed of Chucky, I think. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Michael, I, I want to know because you, it, it, I I take it that you've seen the return before. Oh yeah. Um, I think the reason that I I've been meaning to reach out to you because I've I've been seeing you posting about Twin Peaks once in a while, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. So what? Tell us a little bit about your sort of history with David Lynch and Twin Peaks. Um, I think I first saw like Mulholland Drive in like 
high school probably and i remember like not actually liking it at the time um i remember like it was like super confusing to me but then i remember watching Eraserhead, and i didn't like it for most of that either until that one scene with the um do you remember the like oh paul guy like the guy's like scolding the guy at the his like receptionist yeah yeah uh, like, I think, like, as soon as I realized, like, oh, David Lynch is, like, really funny, that's, like, that was my big connecting point into David Lynch. And I've, like, then since, like, liked everything that I've seen of him. Um, yeah, I saw that you, did you end up watching Inland Empire? I saw you posting about it. Uh, no, I was going to, and then I, like, thought it was too scary, so I, like, didn't watch it last night. But I think I'm going to do that tonight. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh... Yeah, I would say, yeah, I would say if if you're like scared uh by some moments in like Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet, it's mm-hmm. kind of there's a couple there's some there's some moments that are that are similar to that, I guess, okay. in terms of scary. Is there anything but, like as bad? Is it like worse than the uh, like man from Winkies scene? No. No, I don't think it's so. A, it's a, okay. it's, it's so. pretty much just kind of scary how bad it looks. Like that's about <laughs> how, how scary that movie gets for me. Yeah, I w- yeah, I would you know I would go into it knowing that it's an incredibly uh, experimental uh, 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 film that David Lynch like didn't really know what he was doing while he was mm. making it, but it's it's sure. it's very it it's very interesting. We get you get to see Terry Crews. <laughs> Wait, Terry Crews is in it. Terry Crews oh, yeah. is in it. That's kind of um, wild. <laughs> a lot of the Lynch like uh, regulars are, are in it. Um, it's like Laura Dern, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. Laura Dern, yeah, of course. Laura Dern, Grace Zabriskie has has a great uh, role in it. Justin Theroux. Um, and then you, uh, I also read you haven't seen The Straight Story yet, correct? Uh, no, I haven't seen that one yet either. Uh, which I hear is like really good, actually. Oh my god! I I hadn't seen it until we started covering all the Lynch movies for this podcast, and mm-hmm. uh, I forget where I put it, Jeremy. I think I put it as like my number three favorite Lynch movie. Wow. Yeah, you absolutely games. loved it, and I mean, I, I, it's a great film. You know, it's on Disney Plus, FYI, if you're trying to get a mm-hmm. hold of that movie. Okay. Um. um some people yeah. say it's like low key is best, right? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's probably his most accessible. I would say. Sure. Yeah, I would say the thing about it is it's just so different from what people expect from from a David Lynch movie. Where it's, I don't know, because I I mean it's it's almost like impossible to compare it to Mulholland Drive or Blue Velvet because it's just a completely different ball game. Sure. Uh, and it wasn't. I, he didn't write it, or he he just directed it. Um, oh, interesting. But yeah, it's it's. Uh, it's 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 pretty great. I highly, definitely don't definitely don't miss out on it. Uh, so before we dive into Twin Peaks, and mm. we'll be talking about parts eleven and twelve here, uh, we got to plug our Patreon, Jeremy. Oh got, yes. Uh, oh yes. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Jeremy, what the hell are we doing over there? We got so <laughs> much going on on that Patreon. For just five dollars a month, you can get. I, I think our. I think it's like up to like uh, almost a hundred episodes of exclusive content of worth of backlog. I, <laughs> so, I thought you were about to say almost a hundred patrons, and I got very excited. No, 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 nowhere near that. Um, <laughs> not even. We're not even at almost ten. <laughs> uh, well, we're getting there. Well, we're getting there. Yeah, no, it's a good time over there right now. We are uh, dead in the middle of uh, season two of Tales from the Crypt, and we're going to finish that out strong before we move on to any other stuff. But you know, if you're if you're a patron on there, we got a small little community of 
of people that we love who have been suggesting episodes and we'll do them. We will, we will, we, we listen to the fans, Eric. And that's something that people yes. have to understand. We listen to the fans. <laughs> we have a specific tier on our Patreon where if you pick it, you could tell us to do an episode about anything. Mm hmm. Uh, with the exclusion of the movie Mordecai, and we will do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We will never cover Mordecai. <laughs> I thought of, as a bit today, I, mm-hmm. I thought about going through and adding like a $2,000 tier where we where we do an episode on yeah. Mordecai. Definitely, we <laughs> should. We should. I uh, didn't get around Is to Mordecai it. a movie that you've seen before or just one you refuse to ever see? I just refuse to ever see or know anything about. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do know it's got a pretty low, pretty low run to me. You don't want to see those funny mustaches? <laughs> no, well, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh yeah, so that's patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. It's a great time. It is there. a good time. And I'm excited about the episode that we had. Um, well, we're about to record, but that would have aired two days ago, which is uh. This episode of uh, Tales from the Crypt called Television Terror, which is one of the best episodes I've ever seen of the show. So, uh, you know, check that. You know, if you, if you, you know, and I always recommend, Eric, as I always recommend people go yeah. on there. You can subscribe once. And if you hate it, you can just not unsubscribe. You can just get, you know what? And, and, and if also, if you, uh, if you love it, you can download all of the content and then I'm subscribed yes. after that too. You can just pirate it all. So I recommend you doing that, do that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fine. I, I guess I'm fine with that. <laughs> uh, yeah. And we're, you know, I, I think I mentioned it last time we will be having a, a, a comic creator, Jeremy, where I'm in talks with a, with a guy who's uh, got this new comic out. Mm-hmm. Great guy. I've been on his podcast. We'll, he created uh, we'll, Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very old. Uh, so you know, Michael. Before we get into Twin Peaks, and you know, we got we got a lot to talk about. But I two weeks ago I started a segment, a recurring segment, uh, to kind of update the listeners on my first time watching uh, Northern Exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna do a little segment that I like to call the Moose Minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, but first of all, have you seen Northern Exposure before? No, but I hear it's like uh, it's at least like similar in tone to Twin Peaks, right? It's it's got a lot of similarities, and there's been like a bunch of uh, I've watched the first two seasons so far, and there's been a bunch of like subtle jokes, like uh, subtle references to Twin Peaks. But it's was more this, of uh, a was it right after Twin Peaks, comedy. or is it? Same time? No, they started, they start. I think Northern Exposure started in 89 and Twin Peaks in 1990. So they were oh, like okay. kind of happening at the same time. Sure. Uh, but all I'll say is, yeah, I'm done with season two. I still can't get over the fact that there is a character who is a 62-year-old man who is dating an 18-year-old. Yeah. Uh, and... <laughs> it, I for some reason I, I guess was just kind of hoping that it would they would that like relationship would disintegrate, but they're really leaning into it. Like there's a lot of oh good storylines, <laughs> and uh, the storyline in the season two finale is uh, essentially Shelly is her name is trying to re- be more relatable uh, so she can like have more conversations with Holly and this like 62 year old man that she's dating. (laughs) So she researches, she reads all these books about the 1950s (laughs) and he's not impressed. (laughs) 
And at the end of the episode, he says, he says something like, "Shelly, I don't like, I don't love you for your mind. I love you for your body." Oh, Jesus, she's like, oh, man, and she she like feels good about that. She's like what? happy about that. It's really bizarre. Uh, but yeah, other than that, great show. Uh, <laughs> so this has been, uh, you know, the Moose Minute. Love and that Moose Minute. On to Twin Peaks. We got parts eleven and twelve. Michael, I you know I gave you I gave you some options, and you said I forget you. I think you said I love me some Mitch and Mitch and Bros or something along those lines. Yeah, the Mitch and Bros are like 11. maybe two of my favorite characters from the season. Why is that? Uh, I just think they're like I love that like they're in, like initially introduced as like heavies, like they're kind of scary in the beginning, and then they just become like goofballs by this point yeah. in the series. Yeah. Uh, I think, like, Jim Belushi's, like, very funny in it. Like, my hottest take is that I think Jim Belushi's a lot funnier than John Belushi. Oh, my God. That's that's a blazing <laughs> hot take. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's so crazy. Um, I, love I, I love it, though. I love it. Yeah. I You know, I haven't, like... I guess I've seen a lot more Jim Belushi than John Belushi uh, lately. So I, I guess I can't... I'm not prepared to argue <laughs> argue it. <laughs> like, are uh, either of you, like, fans of, like, Animal House? Or I don't know what else to... I guess SNL? Yeah, I guess... I like I Blues mean, Brothers. House, I, I think guess. Blues Brothers is good. Yeah, Blues Brothers. Uh, yeah. yeah. But Blues I don't, Brothers is good. I don't, I don't like Animal House personally, and I don't... Um, and I haven't really watched a lot of old SNL. And when I have, I, I, I do kind of think, like... Oh, that must have been really funny for like back then. It doesn't exactly yeah. like yeah. It, the credits don't really transfer to today. But mm. uh, but I've never. It's, it's so funny though because I've never thought of Jim Belushi as funny at all until the <laughs> show. You know what I mean? Like I've never yeah. seen anything where I thought like he's a funny guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but this show, yeah, like those those two guys are great, and they're really great in episode eleven. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, this is peak Mitch and Bros. Uh, yeah, so let's dive in. We're gonna we're we're just gonna go through the episodes here and talk about do kind of a little bit of a scene by scene breakdown of of what we see. So part eleven, uh, it says three boys play catch. As one of them goes to retrieve the ball, he sees a bloodied Miriam crawling out of the brush. Uh, this is like one of the more like horror like this reminded me of just like a uh, like it's very well done but i was like oh this is like a rare moment in like a david lynch thing where it could be in in like it could exist in another like standard oh sure horror movie i kind of got like a sorry i was gonna say i got like a uh, kind of like a blue velvet opening to it Mm. yeah yeah the whole episode's kind of whole episode's kind of got a a horror vibe to it right because this is the this is where they go out. I mean, we'll get to it, but this is like the Gordon. They see a woodsman in this episode. I mean, it's like it's like oh, yeah. riddled with horror yeah. in this episode. Yeah. Uh, Becky receives a frustrating call from Steven then begs her mother for her car. Uh, she takes a pistol from beneath the couch and Shelly arrives. Becky quickly runs to the car with the gun and starts driving with Shelly hanging on onto the hood until she is flung off. Jeremy, I, I should mention this, by the way, Michael. I, I'm sure you've picked up on it, but Jeremy hasn't seen uh, uh, the sh- hasn't seen the return before. So oh, yeah, we're kind of getting cool. his his first uh, 
impression here. But Jeremy, what was uh? <laughs> what'd you think of this? Absolutely, and Shelly getting flung off. Absolutely bananas <laughs> like so bonkers and just kind of the way it's shot too like when when she actually does get flung off it is so silly to to see it happen and her <laughs> shoes fly off too and you're yeah. like you're like you like feel bad because she's like you know she's like not a young woman being mm-hmm. flown off the being flung off a car but it is like got like kind of a benny hill vibe to it when yeah. it's happening yeah um this whole sequence was at, at equal parts stressful and very funny at the same time. <laughs> yeah. She's also, I, I noticed uh, this time around, she's wearing red slippers um, oh, and her red slippers fly yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. Little, little uh, Wizard of Oz thing. Uh, Carl sees her and whistles for Bill to ride back into town. Shelly calls Norma asking for advice and is advised to call Bobby, Carl, uh, contacts Maggie, who patches him through to Bobby. Shelly tells him about the situation. So I guess this is when we learn that Bobby and Shelly are... Um, they're like divorced, right? I guess right? they're not together, but they're... Does it, doesn't it? Carl call call Shelly Shelly Briggs or something? Oh, uh, yeah, I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, oh. I did not know until a little bit later that they were... Not together. Truth be told, I didn't know until they're at the diner, sitting there. Uh, Becky enters an apartment building and is told that uh, he just left, and she fires the gun at the door several times. Yeah, I love a pissed off Amanda Seyfried. Oh yeah, <laughs> she rules in this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen hides from Becky in a stairwell next to uh, Gersten Hayward. Did you guys know that this is? Uh, did you pick up on that this was? donna's sister no how would i know that (laughs) i know (laughs) i only i only know it from uh reading the the recap i was like oh that's a hayward and yeah i guess it's uh donna's sister yeah because we haven't seen a lot of donna and we haven't seen a lot of james we've seen we've seen james once and donna zero right Mm -hmm. so far yeah okay yeah so i i kind of had written off both those whole families is just being like, oh, they're not going to cover them in the in the show. But I guess I'm wrong. Hayward's return. Uh, yeah. The by the way, Jeremy, the last six parts are just all Haywards. <laughs> uh, we just we, Donna comes back and we get we get just the whole Hayward uh, family story. I would <laughs> I would prefer that to anything with James. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, in Buckhorn, Hastings leads the FBI and Detective Mackley to the location where he claimed to see Major Briggs. Albert and Gordon spot a woodsman after Bill tells Preston about his activity in the house he uh, brought them to. Cole and Albert approach the house, and Cole sees a hurricane-like vortex in the sky and raises his arms. Uh, we get kind of a funny <laughs> funny little shot of David Lynch just, yeah. standing just like there. waving his arms yeah. yeah while holding a gun like I love how they're just <laughs> holding their guns like they're not <laughs> yeah yeah uh, as he starts to pass through the vortex Cole sees a group of woodsmen standing on a staircase before Albert pulls him back and the vortex disappears Albert then finds what he presumes to be Ruth Davenport's body and takes a picture of numbers written down on her arm Diane sees a woodsman approaching Mackley's car, but stays silent. Hastings is killed when his head is inexplicably crushed. 
when Mackley's uh, screams summon the FBI agents, uh, Cole looks into the car and simply says he's dead. <laughs> that scene is so funny. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't believe this. I like it. <laughs> what an end to our buddy Matthew Lillard. What an ending. Yeah, it's what do you what do you guys think of the effect here with his, you know, his head being gone? <laughs> it's like real gross, which makes like his uh, which makes like Lynch's like really deadpan reaction so funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Um yeah, you know, uh, I love Miguel Ferrer in this too. I was I've been going through um I have the Z to A collection, Michael, which is the uh Blu-ray they just re- released uh, over Christmas time. That's like all. Uh, it's got like 18 hours of behind-the-scenes footage from the return on oh, it. Nice. And there is a moment where David Lynch is like addressing the crew in like a meeting, and he basically ha- they had just found out about Miguel Ferrer's like medical situation. Oh, like sure. they didn't know anything was going on with him before. It, uh, until during the shoot and Lynch has to make this kind of like really like he he basically has to tell the crew that to to accommodate having Miguel Ferrer they have to work like in a, they have to work six days a week for a little while and like work on the weekends and work longer hours and stuff and uh it, it was weird it was like really weird to see but it was I'm so glad that they like didn't end up recasting Miguel Ferrer because like he's my favorite he's one of my favorite characters in the return oh, yeah. and, and in the original series like I love that so much of the return is just like the Gordon and Albert show yeah 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 and uh, Albert really does like Albert's great uh but he does or uh, sorry Gordon's great but he does need like he needs a Miguel for oh, yeah. kind of character to like <laughs> put him in place yeah, there's a scene that's coming up a little bit later that fully made me cry with Cole and um, with Albert and yeah, uh, and it's like the scene where it's like David Lynch and the, and they're and, and Miguel Ferrer and they're just like talking and it's supposed to be funny, but I it's, it looks like they're almost about to cry. Yeah, and it's like the scene where he puts his hand on his shoulder and he's like, "I worry about you sometimes, Albert." It, it's like yeah. this very long shot where they're very silent, just looking into each other's eyes. And it's like both a joke, but at the same time, I was like the meta context of what's going on. I wonder if there was a little bit of, I don't know, some sort of goodbye, you know, goodbye element in that scene somewhere because it's, yeah, definitely it, felt it, that it, way. Gets, it gets really heavy. You felt that way too? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I assumed that they knew that uh I didn't know that they'd only found out like during shooting. I thought that they'd known the whole time. Yeah. So Fair. my understanding is first that after they shot everything up in uh Washington, they then they filmed all the stuff in in LA and the crew crew was kind of under the impression that um they'd been like working 6 days a week up in Washington and since they were back home in LA the production would kind of slow down a little bit and mm-hmm. would, they would have a little bit more free time and stuff and that was uh, that was around the time this is from Sabrina Sutherland uh in interview with Sabrina Sutherland this information and she said uh 
Yeah, basically then David Lynch had, had was just like he was just he he stood by having Miguel Ferrer in it. He was like I can't we we can't we can't not have him in it. Uh That's so really sweet and sad. Ground it. Yeah. Yeah. Um so at the Double R Diner, uh Bobby, Shelley and Becky discuss Becky's situation with Steven as Norma listens. Uh, her parents advise that she leave him uh, as Shelly and Becky embrace. Red comes to see Shelly and they play a get together or plan a get together. Uh, a gunshot suddenly rings out and Bobby goes to investigate, seeing that a child inside of a van had shot it. Uh, Deputy Holcomb comes to take over the situation. Bobby investigates a woman's car after she repeatedly honks, finding an angry woman and a sick girl inside. What in the the absolute hell (laughs) Yeah this is probably one of my favorite Sequences in the whole (laughs) Show so far I like I really enjoyed this Like just how much like how much Calamity is happening in this Where it's like all the honking And (laughs) Bobby trying to figure out What's going on and then the woman With the sick it was just like one thing after another Like one thing it doesn't (laughs) mention in this Is that um the other the other uh deputy holcomb like when he arrives he like he's also super weird to bobby he like looks at him dead in the eyes and is like i heard gunshots from over there and bobby looks at him like what yeah of course yeah we're (laughs) that's what we're dealing with you know (laughs) it's like it's a super bizarre scene Mm. i still don't know what to make of the girl the girl puking it's like because so it's f- not, it's not like Garmin Bosia. It's not like it's not like uh, e- Evil Coop's puke that we see mm-hmm. in Part Three or whatever. I think it's just like another person in their world. Like this is another story about this like mom and her sick kid. <laughs> I do think there's some like me- something meta going on here with the uh, like the woman who at this point in the series just shows up and is like honking and demanding <laughs> to like get things moving. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? Like, Oh, um, that's funny. I kind of get that a little bit too with like the Audrey, with the Audrey stuff. Oh, sure. I can see uh, that. It's like maybe Audrey represents, uh, you know, what one type of viewer of Twin Peaks. Like, mm-hmm. cause that was kind of, uh, you know, that was kind of the attitude of some people at the time on, on like the message boards and stuff was like a lot of people were getting sick of Dougie. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people really just wanted to get back to Twin Peaks. Yeah, people were like really mad about it at the time. I remember. I remember. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I don't know. How did you did you watch the return while it was airing? Uh. Yeah. Um. I I really enjoyed all of it, but like I get it. Like people wanted to see Coop again, but he just like didn't come back the way at all that anyone was expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I remember around like part five or six, I j- was just like, well, this might be all that we get <laughs> from Cooper and just kind of uh, accepted it. Um, so Hawk and Frank discuss their destination given by Major Briggs, uh, while looking over Hawk's map, Frank focuses on many mysterious symbols, including a campfire and black corn. Hawk says the fire represents a modern day utility such as electricity. The black corn represents sustenance. And the two can be combined to create black fire. Uh, Frank also inquires about a bizarre symbol hovering above the mountains. 
Uh, also found one on the doppelgangers playing card uh, uh, and on Major Briggs's message, but is advised that he does not want to know what uh, does not want to know about it. Uh, Lucy patches through a call from Margaret, who knows that Hawk found something. She tells them that there is fire where she is going. Uh, Deputy Holcomb enters, asking if Frank wants to see his new car. So, I wonder if this. <laughs> I wonder if this is in order because if if this is like in order of sequence within the show, that means Deputy Holcomb. Just witnessed like a kid firing a gun mm-hmm. and was like dealing with this and like this crazy puking girl and probably one of the crazier like crimes that happens in Twin Peaks in a while. And then he just goes back to the sheriff's station and asks his boss if he wants to see his new car. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he doesn't say anything about the gun, like the, the gunfire or anything. I don't know. Man, it's, yeah, he's set up to be a weirdo. So I think it's kind of, it's just more of that. It's more of just like proving that he's like a strange, he's got like a strange sense of, I don't know what, like his compass is off or whatever. Like he just doesn't really find things to be as heavy or impactful as other people. Um, there's like, there's like him and there's a, who's the, the name of the other bad cop? Is it like Chad or Chad? Chad. Yeah. There's just like a couple like officers in like this department that just seem like weird this season. Yeah. Which yeah. you think Chad, you think yeah. Bobby the way he was in the original series would be more like that, but it's like almost like he's kind of stepping into a more responsible heroic role or something. Yeah, he like turned his life around and it's like pretty like nice to see for Bobby. Yeah, I felt bad for him in that last sequence too cuz he's like you know, Shelley's with another guy. Oh yeah. Super happy. He's has to deal with his daughter's shitty husband, who's like a yeah. psychopath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gordon's hand shakes, and he requests to see Albert's photo of the coordinates on Ruth's arm. He asks what the coordinates are, but as Albert answers, they are interrupted by Preston and Mackley uh, bringing donuts and coffee. <laughs> uh, Mackley tells them that uh, the body was confirmed as Ruth's, but there was no trace of Briggs's head or any leads on Hastings' death. Uh, Gordon and Albert tell them about the woodsman, whom Diane says she might have uh, seen exit Mackley's car. Gordon describes his vision of the dark, bearded men. (laughs) I like this line, by the way. Uh, What does he say? Like, uh, bearded men. Like, dirty, bearded men. Yeah, dirty, bearded men in a room. Uh, at Lucky 7 Insurance, Bushnell Mullins calls Dougie into his office, and Phil Bisbee brings him along with coffee. Mullins tells Cooper that his work has revealed uh, organized crime business as well as corrupt <laughs> police. He says that the Mitchum brothers called him, wishing to meet with Dougie, and Mullins prepares a check for the brothers to cover for their hotel, which was brought down by an accidental fire and not arson. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I never like put together what what the all the money stuff was for, like why they got the check in the first place, and like what the insurance. So they they had a hotel that burns down. Mm-hmm. I guess that makes sense. I think we were to assume that it was like insurance fraud before, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so Rodney so I guess so. Wait, wait a minute. It was not. It was not arson. It was accidental. Yeah, that's yeah, funny. Apparently. I yeah, I had a hard time following this too. So it was like, it it didn't necessarily get cleared up. So that's that's mm-hmm. nice to know. Okay, so it's not arson. Got it. <laughs> um, Rodney the eats seem like afternoon. okay dudes. <laughs> yeah, what was that? <laughs> they seem like okay dudes. The Mitchums. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> well, it's like funny because you're right. Like uh, Michael, they kind of are de-escalating them a mm. lot. Like you think they're so wrapped up in crime which they are but you know if it really was an accidental fire that is very funny that the reveal <laughs> is <laughs> they're actually not in it for insurance fraud. they just wanted like money so they could get their hotel back <laughs> yeah uh, uh rodney eats an afternoon breakfast and is soon joined <laughs> by his brother bradley tells him that he had a dream about killing dougie jones anxious for their meeting um she's like, so funny in that scene he's like too angry to eat his food yeah i can't eat this after he pours like a full bowl of raisin bran <laughs> by the way i love uh i love just all the like various products that you see in this like mm-hmm. i like to imagine that there was that there's no like product placement in this <laughs> uh show i mean maybe there is i don't know but like I don't know. We see like uh, I think Albert has a Samsung phone, and then there's like a Mac computer at some point, and Raisin Bran. A lot of Heineken. And all this stuff. Heineken. Mm, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Um, as he is escorted by Mullins, Cooper sees Mike in the red room in the doorway of a bakery and starts walking to him. He returns with a box of Mullins, or and Mullins takes him to the limousine hired to take him to the meeting. Driven by the same driver who took him home from the Silver Mustang. Uh, the Mitchum brothers wait for Jones, and Bradley further describes his dream, particularly noting that Rodney's cut from candy was healed. Uh, <laughs> Bradley rips off Rodney's bandage, revealing the cut is indeed healed. Cooper soon arrives and is assisted out of the limo by its driver. Bradley sees the box that Dougie holds, saying <laughs> it was in his dream and that they cannot kill him because of what it may contain according to his dream. Rodney asks if there is a cherry pie in the box, which Bradley (laughs) confirms, meaning that Dougie Jones is not their enemy. He frisks him, finding the check for $30 million, covering the damage. Jeremy, (laughs) did you have a guess as to what was in that box before you saw what it was? No, I had no idea. Well, I mean, the box is deceptively tall for like a pie, you know? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had no idea, but I, yeah, I mean, like, it's just, it's really nice what happens next. Like, it's just like a really nice sequence. And like, I think that even though the Dougie stuff is, I like to me, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm, it sounds like I'm like in keeping with a lot of fans who watched at the time. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it's very annoying and tough to get through and it's um at the end of the day it's just not that funny the idea that like a guy can't get his like mind working right is just like sure oh man that joke worked like twice and then it's just like a lot of that joke again so this is like really great this is really great to see it like i I don't know i it made me enjoy the dougie stuff and like sort of reveling in it was fun so Mm -hmm. i that's i think that's why i'm such a big fan of this episode in particular is it like it just kind of nailed a whole bunch of stuff that in other episodes I felt like was kind of a slog to get through. Hmm. That's fair. 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it happens in the next episode where the only Dougie we get is just that like thirty seconds of Sunny Jim throwing a baseball. <laughs> yeah, at him. and it hits him in the head <laughs> or like, whatever. Yeah. The, a couple of those episodes, you know, early on, maybe should have just had like that amount of Dougie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. The thing is, is like I was frustrated my first <laughs> time watching it, and now going back, I guess knowing what you're in for, it, it <clears throat> helps a little bit. Personally, um, I love Dougie. Dougie's like so yeah, funny too. to me. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. He's just like Mr. Bean figure. I love him. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, I don't mean to like, yeah, say definitively it's not funny. Not, I, guess, I mean, it's, a lot it's, of people didn't like it's him. It's subjective for sure. I just, yeah, I think it, it, to me, it, it isn't even that he's not Agent Cooper. Like, I think I love Agent Cooper, but it, it wasn't that he's not him. It's that he's, because mm. I love um, like evil uh, Coop. Like, you know what oh, I mean? Sure. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, it's more just like the, just that he keeps saying, you know, he'll like repeat a phrase and, mm-hmm. but you know, there has been some high moments with it, right? Like the Ike, the spike stuff was really good. I thought him like fighting him was good. I love so, him. So like, in- what is your take on like, what, why do you think that Lynch is doing like Dougie this way or sorry, Coop this way? Well, I mean, for a long time, I just thought cause like, you know, Lynch loves to subvert expectations. Like that mm-hmm. is something that we know him to do. And I feel like, I felt like that's what it was for a while, but I guess at this point now I am kind of leaning towards, there might be some kind of payoff coming mm-hmm. from it. And, but that's kind of where I'm at right now. I, I, I don't know if that's right or, or not, but like at this moment, I'm kind of like, there might be some sort of payoff coming. Cause that's, you know, it seems like a very intentional choice and, I know he, David Lynch is smart, right? And he is funny. Mm-hmm. He has a good sense of humor. So I'm like, I, I wonder if he does realize like this is grading on the audience. This is wearing people down. Like the, mm-hmm. but I don't know. That's just kind of where I'm at. Sure. Don't tell. Um, don't tell me if I'm right. <laughs> uh, the brothers take Cooper to dinner and to- uh, toast to Dougie. Cooper takes notice of the piano player who begins playing a piece as the lady slot addict uh, from the Silver Mustang Casino enters with her son, Denver, revealing that he inadvertently helped her reconnect with her son and thanks him for it. I do think that this is like kind of just like very good heightening though. Like if you look at like the whole arc of Dougie at this point, Mm -hmm. like his whole shtick is he's just incredibly lucky. Like this guy's right. just getting like so lucky. And I love that the, it seems like it's, it's, it's heightening appropriately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what I like about Dougie is that, like, I feel like he's like Coop without all of his brains, but he just has, still has like all of Coop's good intentions and that still ends up shining through. And I think that's like really sweet this season. Yeah. Like he ends up helping out like everybody in Vegas. <laughs> yeah that's true yeah. yeah 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 i guess the message is like it if you have goodness inside of you it'll come through regardless of if you have access to all your faculties or whatever <laughs> right uh mandy sandy and candy are brought in and candy comments on the traffic on the strip uh <laughs> they have another toast and candy brings another piece of pie to cooper mm-hmm. uh yeah that's the end of part one. Michael, what do you think of uh, what do you think of Candy? Oh, I think Candy's like great. I love uh, Candy and the Mitchum Brothers. I wish they'd just like had their own spinoff after this. Yeah, me too. 
Me too. You know, I, I think last episode I mentioned I would like to see... Uh, Oh, damn it. I'm forgetting his character's name and his real name. Uh, <laughs> who's, uh, who's Jennifer Jason Lee and uh, oh, Tim, Roth. Tim, Roth. Yeah, Tim Roth. Yeah, I would like to see a spinoff with the, with their characters oh, yeah. as well. Um, so, yeah, part 11. I got to say, like, part 11 is uh, probably one of my favorite episodes. We've yeah, I think it's great. my favorite episode of the season, too. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, you've been, have you, you've, it looks like you've been watching the whole series up to this point, right? Yeah, I went, I uh, went and Love caught it. up to this episode. Uh, yeah. Love it. Uh, mm-hmm. Did not have to do that. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> well, just like a um, lot of stuff that like I kind of forgot and like wanted to revisit just for like context. Yeah, I'm finding that, uh, I hadn't seen it since 2017 and mm-hmm. I'm finding that I forgot like a significant amount of stuff. Yeah. It was kind of, it's kind of been a good amount of time, but, uh, part, part 12 or in Buckhorn, Albert, Tammy and Gordon have a drink and the men quietly inform Tammy about project blue book, more specifically the blue rose cases, uh, thus inducting her into the blue rose task force among the ranks of Albert Jeffries, Desmond and Cooper. Uh, Diane joins them and they offer her an official position in the investigation she agrees to this by saying, let's rock. <laughs> Which is the name of the, the episode. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think of this? Uh, what do you guys think of Tammy? I'm a, I'm a Tammy fan. I've been a Tammy yeah. fan the whole time. I, 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 there was definitely some hate for, for Tammy out mm-hmm. there in the beginning. I don't know what that is, really. I, I, I kind of love that it's this person... Um, I I didn't know about her before, um, but she had been collaborating with Lynch. Yeah, she's like a musician, right? With the music stuff, yeah. So I I like that it's someone I'd never seen before, mm-hmm. and everyone you could tell Lynch really likes working with her. Mm-hmm. So I think that that I mean that's proven to like pretty much always be a, a pretty good performance. Mm-hmm. Um. But I don't know. What do you What do you think of Tammy, Jeremy? Tam- Tammy's the as a character is great, and as an as an actor is great. I uh, I think that the way that Albert and um, Gordon objectified her early on, I think, mm-hmm. put a bad yeah, taste like in my mouth, and it made me think. Oh, is this character? Is that what she's? Is that her function in this narrative? Like, is she going to be the hot? agent or something i don't yeah i i it, it confused me because the re- because after that happened she's been nothing but like just like a super competent badass awesome character so i i'm not sure why they did that early on but, you don't know either actually yeah because she's because to me she's just cool uh, so i don't mm. know i i mean like yeah, so I, I like Tammy a lot. I don't. I would not. I would not have understood the hate for her originally either. Um, that seems like. I mean, is that is do was there more to it beyond just like that, like women hating or what? I think people like didn't like her acting. Oh, and it's okay. like yeah, it's like yeah. not like I mean it's like Lynch acting, so it's like it fits within that world. I think. Yeah, I do too. I don't. I you know I don't think. I, th- I think it's fine. I, I have not noticed her acting 
at all to be, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is good, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, Jerry runs out of the woods and into a clearing. Hey, Jerry's out of the forest. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. My dude. Uh, I do love that. We just get like 20 seconds of Jerry every episode. <laughs> and he's just like high <laughs> as shit. Every episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, his foot stopped talking to him, so that's good. <laughs> oh, but I wanted to keep st- uh, talking to him, you know? <laughs> uh, Sarah Palmer buys alcoholic beverages and cigarettes <laughs> at a grocery store. Uh, she also inquires about an unfamiliar jerky being sold at the store. She warns them of men coming and suffers a breakdown. This is pretty intense. This what, is a what do you guys wild think is scene, man. Like, happening. poor it's Sarah sad. Palmer, dude. Yeah, yeah. I felt awful for her. Also, I mean, I guess this scene happens a little bit later, but Grace Sabrinsky in general, like, was just, she kind of was looking very old in this show. Mm-hmm. And, like, her, her face looked a little sunken in, and I wondered if she had suffered a stroke at some point because she, uh. she, she, the way her mouth was moving kind of looked like at my grandma after she had suffered a stroke. And so... But that's so that I was kind of distracted a little bit by that. And and that's just sort of par for the course with redoing a show, like doing another season of a show 25 years later is I am sure constantly distracted by how old everyone else looks. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, but I just, uh, but for the character of Sarah Palmer, I'm just like, again, it's more of that, like questioning Lynch, like what, why are you showing us, you know, Sarah Palmer? Like what? What is it about her story that you want us to know? Because it's just so heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. I mean, she's been through a lot. I know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tough. So I'm, 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 yeah. So my, my question's like, so what, what now? Like, what are we, are, are we just, are you just showcasing how tough her life has been since? Um, mm. Or is she going to play a bigger part in what's going on? Like, um, yeah, because it's it's really uh, it was really a bummer. Does anyone have a theory about the the beef jerky? About the what? The be- the beef jerky. She's like oh. she points out that there's like a a new type of beef jerky. She's for some reason upset about. Mm. I couldn't figure. I couldn't figure out what what. Uh, there has to be some like significance to it, mm-hmm. or maybe not. But I'm uh, gonna guess that what happened uh, was that sick girl in the car ate that beef jerky, uh, and that's why she was so yeah, sick. Okay. <laughs> yeah. oh, do you think that? So uh, in up eight, there's like a like gas station. It's not the same gas station, is it? Oh. Well, wait. That's As in like New Mexico, that, though, right? Never mind. Yeah. Oh, I, I yeah. would have liked that I though. <laughs> If that was the Because I remember at the time, there was like theories that the girl um, in episode eight, that, that's supposed to be her, right? Yes. And you know what? That's actually, uh, I did a little a little digging and that's confirmed in okay. uh, Mark Frost's, um, I think the final dossier mm-hmm. was the one what I is? haven't read yet. Um, so Mark Frost wrote two books, uh, The Secret History of Twin Peaks and The Final Dossier, uh, where he kind of gives a a whole bunch of it, uh, information about the town and the people and stuff. And he confirms that um, Sarah Palmer is the girl that we see the bug. No way. Into her mouth. No yeah. way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. So like all of this was like all was meant to happen to the Palmers then, which is like interesting. 
I guess. I, I don't know. We um, remember we didn't think that that was the case in the last or like two, a couple of episodes ago because uh, it was Leland who had like the Bob inside of him or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's true. But that I mean, it could also be. Yeah, who? I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it would. I need to think of think on it more, I guess. But that is, but that's crazy. That's really cool, though. I mean, that being that being confirmed, I think is cool. Mm-hmm. I like yeah. I like that that person was significant. You know. Yeah. For sure. Um, Carl Rod stops a trailer park resident, Chris Cole, asking him about his income and gives him fifty dollars, saying not to pay his rent for the next month. I love this. I love this yeah. scene so much. This is like this was so heartwarming. Yeah. I just Harry Dean Stanton telling just a sweetheart to sell their blood. Yeah. It's great. Are you a Harry Dean Stanton fan? Michael? Yeah, everybody yeah. likes Harry Dean Stanton. He's just got like a he's got the best face and he's just like just <laughs> I don't know. It's just like he just there's a warmth to him that I think comes through no matter who he's playing. Yeah. Um, Cooper is taken outside by Sonny Jim to play catch, but ends up just being hit by, <laughs> by Sonny Jim's throw. Uh, Hawk goes to Sarah's home. He hears a noise inside, which Sarah dismisses as something in the kitchen. Hawk ensures her that if she needs anything, to call him. Um, yeah. What what's yeah. The, what do we think? What do we think is going on inside that house? I don't know, but it's definitely. It's bad. <laughs> Not something in the kitchen. <laughs> I, don't <think. laughs> I don't even know what she means by that. Like, yeah. Something in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Miriam lays unconscious in a hospital bed uh, at the hospital. Diane responds to a text asking Las Vegas. <laughs> she replies, they haven't asked yet. Hmm. Um Frank visits Ben Horn, telling him of Richard committing the hit and run and his subsequent attempted murder of Miriam. Benjamin reflects on Richard's troubled past and shows Cooper's hotel key to Frank, which he had intended to give to Harry as a memento. Uh, Frank leaves with the key, remarking on the coincidence that they are currently reopening a case involving Cooker. 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 After Fra- uh, Frank leaves, Ben tells Beverly about Richard and his father, who bought him a bike when he was a child. He then asks Beverly to arrange to pay for Miriam's medical expenses. Hey, uh, guys, uh, does this scene not rule or what? <laughs> <laughs> this is where you, we like it? That- you like this scene? I think this scene fucking like rocks hard i think it's amazing i think like watching ben horn and frank talk to each other like yeah Yeah, it's pretty good this scene is so patient and so well executed i like i i couldn't believe it i i was like what what how are you how are you you gonna be doing this to me right now how are you gonna be giving (laughs) me this nice sweet two old men talking to each other scene about this stuff. I mean, the way that he keeps apologizing to Ben Horn, sorry, I wish it could be under better circumstances, giving him the key to give to Harry. Like, it's just like two legacy performers, like, really knocking oh, yeah. it out of the park. This is like one of uh, Robert Forster's last roles, too, right? Is he... He's not alive anymore? 
No. I think he passed like just like earlier this year, maybe like late last year. Yeah. I think this is God. He might have like had another film come out after Mm -hmm. or maybe another couple. Right. But, um, Mm -hmm. but this is to me like, yeah, this is great. The most significant last role of his, you know? Oh yeah. This is also where we find out that, uh, Richard is like his grandkid, right? I think we found that out in, a, in in the episode where he like strangles his ma his oh that's his right grandma. yeah yeah oh man Robert Forrester had a lot of stuff come out <laughs> no. he had two he has stuff coming out still <laughs> oh. yeah man likes to work yeah he was he worked hard until the day he died like he's like yeah t- like seven six or seven roles in 2018. Wow. Three in 2019 and, and four so far in 2020. <laughs> so we were, we're still waiting on Robert Forster performances. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a film that's just completed. I mean, that makes sense because 2020 is fucked right now for films. So it's yeah. like, we, yeah, we might wait till 2021 for that, but. Um, it's total, uh, total sidebar here. Jeremy, I got to tell you, I, I, you, you mentioned the Steve-O podcast last oh, yeah. time we spoke. <laughs> yeah. I have since listened to every episode of the Steve-O podcast. Awesome. <laughs> and, uh, what I learned from it, from it is, it, it's so sad is that they were a week into filming Jackass 4. Oh no. And, and then oh. they had to close no. down production. I didn't know that. I did not know yeah. that. Uh, that's a good show. Or, I mean, it's an interesting <laughs> it's show so if you're into that era. But, like, him talking to Tony Hawk is one of the wildest things. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. I, 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 I like the Dr. Drew episode. Yeah. I like the Dr. Drew episodes on because you get to just hear Steve-O talk to his doctor <laughs> and, like, run these ideas by him yeah. about, like... Uh, what would be safe you know, if he should do yeah, the well, A or B. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Steve-O's it's like clean good. now, right? He is, yeah. But he's still like fucking his body up. Oh, sure. In other ways. In funny ways. Funnier ways, though. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Responsible ways. <laughs> yeah. uh, Gordon tells a French woman uh, one of his war stories until oh, Albert shows up, dismissing the woman who takes her time leaving Gordon's room. <laughs> Albert reports on Diane's received and sent text messages. <laughs> that French woman is like the funniest lady. Yeah, she's really good. And like every like reaction shot of like Albert just like, what are we doing here? It's like so great. Gosh, I love this scene so much. This is the scene I was referring to earlier, though. I mean, it's just very, it gets very heavy towards the end. But mm-hmm. yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. I, I do like when she finally leaves, when she's finally uh, walks out the door, Gordon's delivery of, see you at the bar. <laughs> uh, Hutch and Chantal stake out Dwight Murphy's home, uh, assassinated him as he arrives home and is discovered by his son. Man, I did, did anyone else, or am I a psychopath or did anyone else laugh at this scene? Was it's it, shot kind of strangely. Was it not like done for laughs? It, I I couldn't tell because the, the way the sun runs out, he's like, "Daddy!" It's like <laughs> it's so dramatic, and it was like it just kind of I don't know. I felt like it was like a darkly humorous or something. I think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, felt like, it felt like something that would be in like a Todd Salons film or something. Like just sure, I just can see that. So dark it, that it's funny. <laughs> 
Um, Jacoby broadcasts another Dr. Amp show with Andy <laughs> and Hurley watching from her store. Um, something about... I forget what he says exactly in this one, but... Uh, yeah, Nadine. What is Nadine drinking, by the way? Is that like a, a shake of some kind? I think so, right? Like, that's her thing. She's like into fitness. That makes sense. Oh, okay. It's probably some sort yeah, of protein shake. Yeah. Uh, Audrey Horn argues with her husband, Charlie, saying that they would need to go to the roadhouse to look for her lover, Billy. <laughs> he has been missing for two days. Uh and Audrey recently had dreamed of him bleeding from the mouth and nose. Charlie complains that he has too much paperwork and recommends they start searching tomorrow morning. Audrey calls him spineless and suggests they call Tina, supposedly the last person to see Billy. After much arguing over their potential divorce, Charlie calls Tina and begrudgingly agrees to go over to the roadhouse after. Uh, he receives some grave news, but blankly refuses to tell Audrey anything about the co- uh, conversation. <laughs> Jeremy, you know, we finally get Audrey Horn. Yeah. Is it everything you uh, expected? Yeah, well, it was it was badass to see, like, here's Audrey Horn in a weird Lynchian scenario doing, like, intense acting. I thought that, I thought, like, the whole setup was, like, really fun for this. Um, she also, something that they leave out of this paragraph, so she mentions some, uh, I think somebody named Paul, right? She mentions mm. like, uh, you don't yeah. want me to tell Paul, do you? Uh, oh yeah. And, um, yeah. So I feel like, uh, and then I immediately, of course, because this scene is intentionally esoteric, I think like it's intentionally mm-hmm. like, you don't know who any of these people are. I immediately Googled like what the hell's going on in this. I think I might have gotten something spoiled for myself. Oh no! But we'll see. We'll see if it if sure. it comes true yeah. or not. But um, but yeah, this whole thing is just like holy. It's a, it's it just feels like a tornado goes through your brain. You're just like holy what? <laughs> like there she is. Who's this guy? What are they talking <laughs> about? <laughs> Her life yeah. is just like a bummer right now. Do you have any theories about what's going on? Me? Yeah. Well, so. I don't know if like I should. If you sh- had to explain what this is, if you had to explain what's going on. I'll, I'll say this. So, like, and so it's very clear that, um, it, or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say very clear. My theory is that her and this Charlie are, have some sort of marriage of convenience thing worked out because she does talk about her lover, Billy, in a way to him that's more like, mm-hmm less like that you know that their marriage was very serious there's papers involved i'm guessing those were divorce papers um that's uh and then i expected so i've always expected audrey to be richard's mom so i was i i thought that this had to do with richard until i realized by the end of the scene they hadn't talked about richard at all so mm-hmm. then i was yeah, like but they talk about someone stealing a truck Someone stealing stealing Billy's truck, which I thought was a reference to Richard stealing a truck. I didn't. I don't even remember them talking about stealing a truck. So that that would have clued me into that that being about Richard. But either way, going to the roadhouse, I I thought was also maybe to do with Richard. Like we're gonna find him there, you know, because like maybe he'll show up there or something. Mm. But um, yeah. So I, I guess my loose theory is that. 
it's just some sort of like romanticish entanglement and there's and they're probably caught up in whatever weird crime ring that red and richard are <laughs> part of but i also was like i also then feel like i might know something else too and i'm like huh mm. i wonder if that's going to be end up being the case if so oh, okay. that could be that's really psych like that's really um interesting and i'm wondering if that's gonna end up being the case and i will tell you once i know more i'll tell you if i confirmed or didn't you know what i mean like i'll, I'll mm-hmm. confirm if that's what i think happened happened um you mentioned on the last episode that you had spoiled seen a, a still mm-hmm. from like later in the season that mm. kind of like spoiled something was yes. it a still of of audrey it was yeah yeah so oh, okay, so good. i've seen okay. i've seen stills of audrey both audrey and laura palmer from the show so okay i know they're well, both we've seen laura already right i think in part one yeah yeah but no like an older laura right right you mean like um, a, gotcha sure. Like a, yeah, like that's a, the, yeah. the problem is like, <laughs> it's so hard to, uh, to avoid spoilers for this. I for, will for say Deeks though, because once you start looking into it and getting into it, it's, it's, right. it's just unavoidable. But no, but I will say though, that these are the kind of spoilers that aren't devastating. Like this isn't like spoiling like the sixth sense. This is like, uh, sure. this is just like, uh, you find out information that only you only have a ton of questions about and it makes sure. you more excited to keep going because you're like oh fuck if that's true if this person's coming mm-hmm. back i want to know how they're coming back what's this what is the scenario like how can you bring back laura palmer like i'm still wondering mm-hmm. how you can bring back laura palmer yeah it's point. about the journey yeah totally um and i think that's the one of the biggest successes of the show is that and you know david lynch in general is that like it is so much about the journey Mm-hmm. When you're watching one of his films, if I was to just tell you uh, something that would happen towards the end of Blue Velvet, you you wouldn't mm-hmm. it wouldn't make it. You wouldn't care. It's like, right. you know, it's like you gotta you gotta sit there in it to understand it and to understand why that's yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like like at the time it's like really cool that it was a show that you couldn't like try to outsmart. Like there's a lot of shows now where I feel like they have like a mystery box element, and, like people try to figure it out, but like you just couldn't do that with this show. Yeah, and, um, and it still is a good mystery too. Like oh it, yeah yeah oh yeah. Michael, what was your uh, initial, watching this for the first time, what was your initial uh, reaction to, to this Audrey scene? Uh, I, I love Audrey, so I was, like, real sad to see her in this, like, marriage of convenience with yeah. this, like, guy that seemed to, like, not really like her at all. Yeah, I remember, I remember being, that was kind of, like, the general consensus, it seemed, is, like, people were a little bummed out about it, but I also remember... There's like a lot to read into about it, which is cool. It's cool that you're kind of like forming your own theories and stuff, Jeremy, because there's like there's so much information to take in. And also like in the last scene in this that we'll talk about where we're just people are just throwing out names that we've never heard before and Mm -hmm. you don't exactly know what the significance of certain people are. But I will say like Sherilyn Fenn's performance in this it fucking owns. Yeah, she's so awesome. good. <laughs> she she is one of the world's greatest eyebrow actors. Like uh-huh. she uses her eyebrows very well. Like she has she has good eyebrows and like I guess like some people have like more abilities with the muscles of their eyebrows. Like I'm trying to do 
which she <laughs> does with my face right now, and I'm sure it just looks bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> but I did think uh, Billy at first was Billy Zane, <laughs> but then I realized... Yeah, I did too, yeah. actually. Yeah, but then I realized Billy Zane's character is probably not Billy in the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, because I've never... I keep forgetting to tell this story. I meant to tell this story when we were uh, doing the original Twin Peaks, but when I was working at an office uh, on sort of like sort of like a busy uh interesting section of hollywood boulevard the or no sunset of sunset um it was kind of this area do you guys know Greenblatt's? Mm. oh yeah the, the, uh, uh, the deli the deli yeah like so I, I worked yeah i worked like not too far from there and i would go there were like a, a, a bunch of good lunch spots there but i like never went to Greenblatt's really because uh, I was broke and mm-hmm. it's kind of expensive. Right. Mm-hmm. But I was like sick one day. I remember it was a Friday and I think it was like November or December of 2016. And someone was telling me like, if you're sick, you gotta, you gotta go get the matzo ball soup at Greenblatt's. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, so I go over there and I don't know if you guys have been in there, but there's, it's like a, you know, there it's, there's a lot of seating, and then there's um, there's towards the back. There's like a whole deli counter area where you can. Yeah, order I used stuff to eat to there all the time. I love green blots. Um, and there's like certain people that you hear. Uh, like I, a lot of my coworkers went there pretty frequently, and I would hear like different celebrities that would, they would see there. Mm-hmm. And one of the names that people would always say is that Richard Lewis goes there all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I walk in and the first thing I see is like Richard Lewis's big hair and he's like (laughs) super tall, like super animated. Uh, he's just like, he, he doesn't look like a real person because I just, you know, I've watched so many Curb Your Enthusiasm episodes and he's just so, such a big presence. Uh Um, so I walk past and I go back to the deli counter and I like order, I order the soup and I'm waiting. Um, and I think I ordered something else, but it's, it's not like busy, but they're like taking a long time. And I was kind of sick and like tired and was like avoiding eye contact with people. But I was there for like maybe 25, 30 minutes. Like it took forever mm-hmm. to get this to go order. <laughs> and after about like, five or ten minutes this woman and i had sort of like fallen in love <laughs> fallen in love, dude i wish we had sort of like bonded over the fact that, that we were both waiting for a while and i think mm-hmm. people were getting their stuff before us and it was kind of like pretty busy and we were just it was just like a boring situation and uh we started we struck up a conversation and she was like very friendly and nice and was like super interested in my life and was like, what are you doing? And I was telling her, like, I moved there to like write, you know, for television or whatever. And I was like, uh, that I do comedy and I was telling her about my job and all this shit. And she kept asking me questions. Mm-hmm. And then eventually she was like, Oh, my friend Richard is over there. Mm. And cause she had noticed Richard Lewis. Mm-hmm. And then it dawned on me like the whole time, the whole conversation, I was like, I think I know this person. Like, I think I've seen this person in yeah, something. Yeah. But I don't know who the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. And also, 
it's kind of like I feel like she can tell that I don't know who she is. Right. Mm. So she's probably enjoying just talking to like a regular person. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, okay, so this is all happening and uh at one point this guy comes up to her uh-huh. and 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 he's like, "Excuse me. I have to ask. Do you work in the industry?" <laughs> Which I thought was like a weird thing to ask and she just nodded her head yes and then he he like smiled and was like i love your work and then walked out but anyway she was explaining to me she was like i used to be on a sitcom with with uh, richard lewis and i was like oh that's great i love curb your enthusiasm but i also i didn't want to like ask her who she is yeah mm-hmm. yeah because that would have been rude right and uh she was telling me how she was like on her way back from an audition and in between um, sort of like moments of silence, she would kind of start like humming a little bit, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, you know, just kind of like casually humming, and we we're kind of like talking, and then silence, and then talking, and just kind of you know strangers passing the time. And I was like, "Who the fuck is this woman?" Mm-hmm. And I go home, I, I go back to the office, and I am like looking at Richard Lewis's IMDb <laughs> and all of the sitcoms that he was in. Right. And he was in a sitcom with the woman I had been talking to that I feel so fucking stupid that I didn't recognize her. I was talking to Sherilyn Fenn. <laughs> for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I, like the n- I, nicest woman I've ever wow. spoken to. Aww. That's, That's so awesome. nice. Yeah. For some reason, and the way I you told that story, I was expecting it to not be Sherilyn Fenn by the end. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think, like, I think that if I would have known that it was Sherilyn Fenn, mm-hmm. for, first of all, I would have never like talked to her. I think she initiated <laughs> the conversation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um, I would have like probably just said something stupid, and, <laughs> like freaked out, and like panicked and ran away without my soup <laughs> but i don't know because like she didn't know who like i didn't know who she was yeah were you a twin peaks it, fan at the time yeah here's the thing is i had i had seen twin peaks uh one time like mm. a couple years prior um and this was like kind of right before i rewatched it for before in anticipation for the return mm-hmm and it was kind of like right before I was like really obsessed with Twin Peaks. Right. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was, it, it did kind of blow my mind after I realized who it was, but it didn't like, uh, you know, now looking back, I'm like, God damn it. If I could <laughs> talk to Sherilyn Fenn for 15 minutes, like I have so many questions. I would ask her. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't know. Like better, There's something though. about like that. That's the one I lived in LA for, three or four years and that's like my only good celebrity mm. story michael do you but, have a good uh, celebrity story I'm trying to think oh uh i remember like one time uh i was going in for like some internship and i was going down the elevator and i remember uh so force whitaker gets to the elevator and he asked me <laughs> whether the elevator is going up or down i think he wanted to go up I said I didn't say anything. I was too scared. He gets mm-hmm. in and the elevator just goes down like several floors. <laughs> so I had to like wait for me. I felt yeah. real bad about it. Oh my god, that's awesome. What, Jeremy? You got you got one for us? I mean, I so I used to work at UCB uh, as an intern. So through there, I got to meet and talk to tons of like celebrities, I guess. But I my for to me like still like the most impactful one was when I just like 
saw Kevin Smith at a veggie grill. <laughs> oh, I love. I would love to know what a Kevin Smith orders at Vegas. <laughs> I mean, he was looking good, you know? Like, he still had the big yeah. clothes, but he was, like, sl- way slimmed down. Um, mm-hmm. And I just... It was it was the weirdest thing, because if you would have asked me, like, 10 minutes before seeing Kevin Smith at the Veggie Grill, I would have been like, yeah, Kevin Smith, he's okay. You know, he's like... Uh, <laughs> I used to like him when I was a kid, and, like, uh, you know, he doesn't make very good movies anymore. You know, I would have, like, sure. given you a very canned answer. But then seeing him... I almost started like crying. Like I got so emotional because like I realized in that moment like just how much he meant to my childhood and like how yeah. much and like how like he's a much bigger deal to me than if I like if like Tom Cruise walked in like you know <laughs> so like and and he's the only celebrity that I've almost wa- I like I actually wanted to go say something to you know what I mean like I've never wanted to talk to a celebrity I, i've never yeah. had that urge to like say hey i love your work or anything mm. even like that um but with him i kind of actually regret it i kind of actually regret not walking up and be like you know what you like mean so much to me like i don't i don't know and i don't know uh, why but like i feel I, like anyone that grew up on like clerks like has that like i still like kevin smith even though he doesn't make good stuff anymore <laughs> right yeah i mean i get yeah like i would watch like in high school i would just like watch like jay and son and bob strike back like over oh, yeah. and over like i just all was like uh like this what what were what they called he did those like speeches where he just told stories right oh yeah 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 the evening with kevin smith or those so like yeah yeah, yeah. so like it, it kind of feels like we all grew up with kevin smith <laughs> oh yeah yeah so it's seeing like a weird him feeling. was like it was a treat though it was a delight getting to see him but that yeah that's my that's my favorite one that's cool um, so Diane goes to the bar and searches for, uh, the coordinates she saw in Albert's photo of Ruth Davenport's arm, uh, finding that they lead to Twin Peaks. Mm. Um, at the roadhouse, uh, we get the chromatics again, performing Saturday. Uh, no singing in this one. I was like, man, I like that lady's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good tune though. Uh, in a booth, Abby and Natalie talk about their friend, Angela. Concerned about uh, her new infatuation with Clark, who had previously been seen going out with Mary. <laughs> uh, Trick joins them, shaken by the experience of being driven off the road by a driver heading the wrong way. So, a whole bunch of people we don't know talking about people we other don't know. People we don't know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think of part 12? I don't like it as much as part 11, but like there are like certain big moments that I like love a lot. Like the French lady scene um, is great. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I agree. There's like, there's a couple of good moments, but, um, but yeah, part 11 is just so, is just so good. Uh, and, I did like, I was looking forward to seeing the Audrey scene again because I am still trying to piece it together mm-hmm. uh, after seeing this a couple times. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Because, what like, think, what's Jeremy? the last we saw of Audrey in the, the last season? She, like, got blown up. Blown right? up she got yeah. blown up in the bank explosion, and uh, she, last we heard, was in a coma. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I like, I like episode 12 a lot. I mean,. Uh, it's hard to comp- 
when it's right up next to 11 because like so much happens in 11 like mm-hmm. not just like that progresses the story but like uh you know visual effects and stuff like it just has a lot of wildness to it but um episode 12 definitely charmed me too i think there's a lot a few more a few quieter moments that i really appreciated and like mm-hmm. Again, like anytime we're at Twin Peaks and get to meet anybody from the old show, yeah. it's always going to be a welcome thing for me. So Audrey, seeing Audrey was like, even that little bit we get of her, I'm like, oh, this is great. I just, I want more, mm-hmm. more, more, more of this, more of this. Um, and I, and I fully do love the new stuff. I fully do love the new characters and oh yeah and stuff. But but anytime I get some more Bobby or some more Audrey or you know, I like how like casually they drop those characters in too. There's like no like grand entrance for anybody really. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like we just kind of drop into like whatever Audrey's doing. Yeah, yeah. I remember. Um, yeah, I remember watching this for the first time and be like, "Well, okay, I guess we're, I guess we get Audrey." Yeah. And there's kind of like a moment. There's kind of like a good like ten or twenty seconds before she says anything, mm-hmm. or anyone speaks in that scene. It's just kind of like switches right over to her. But yeah, um, cool, Michael. Thank you so much. This has been yeah. great. Uh, great talking. Yeah. You know, we'll have to have you on. We'll have to have you on in the future because uh, I, I, I believe next. Uh, well, we'll talk about it, but I think we're I think we're leaning towards covering. Uh, uh, should we announce? Should we should we <laughs> should we announce it, Jeremy? Yeah, I mean, we I mean, we're gonna we, we can we always reserve the right to change too. If we yeah, we might change it, but we're we're thinking of doing uh, the films of Paul Thomas Anderson, <laughs> Wes Anderson, and Paul W S Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> the three Andersons. That's that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, Michael Hearn's idea. Shout out to him. But yeah. you know, Michael, if y- open invitation, anytime you want to come on and, and talk about any of the any of those movies or guest on an episode, yeah, you know, we'd be happy to have you. Um, what do you uh, do? You have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I'm always like making cartoons, which you can like, I mean, that's usually pinned on my Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm uh, at Sriracha Chow. That's a uh, S-R-I-R-A, uh, C-H-A-U. Uh, so you can just follow me on there. You got to follow Michael. Mm. It's just number one. It should be, you know how when you set up a new Twitter account, it says <laughs> like, here's the people you, you got to follow, follow five people. It's like it's me, like Stephen Obama. King. <laughs> Yeah, it's you, Stephen King, Obama. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, Jeremy, what's going on with you? You got anything going? I mean, you know, it's all the same stuff. Patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. You can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Just, you know, there's so there's too many podcasts to really plug. Too many things really going on. I'm, I'm neck deep in podcasts. I, I, I do them all the time. I love them. I love talking on a yeah. microphone. So, you know, th- I got a lot of, you know, there's, a, if you want to hear more of my voice, there's, there's so many ways to do it. So just look, look me up. Yeah. I'll be on one of those podcasts. Yes. Uh, yes. Soon uh, pretty soon. Not going to say which one. It won't, uh, it won't be airing for a while after this post, but, but we will, we will on this show, let our listeners know when that'll be airing. That is an episode of double, double feature feature. A new double feature podcast that I do with uh, a couple of great guys. Um, so stay tuned for that. Eric, what about you? You got anything uh, cooking? 
Uh, you know, just the Moose Minute. Just, just the Moose Minute. Plug <laughs> yeah. the Moose Minute. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Patreon. Uh, yeah, you already plugged Patreon. Um, yeah. So, anyway, thank you again, Michael. Uh, next week we will be discussing parts uh, 13 and 14, right? I think yes. that's correct. Yeah, that is yes, correct. Yes, 13 and 14. Uh, all right. Um having trouble figuring out how to segue to my uh to my closing line here so i'll just do it very awkward awkwardly <laughs> norma i'll see you in my dreams